have feelings. I got lots of feelings. Oh, you know, I got awesome. feelings three or four times a day at least. You know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's a lot. Yeah, a lot of fear, a lot of hunger. Not that much different than your Smoky. common white-tailed deer. Yeah. 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 But you know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, why don't you tell me more about what we're talking about today, and I'll uh, okay. direct my feelings towards that. Well, the first thing <laughs> we gotta talk about before anything else is our last episode. I don't want to say there is inaccuracies, but there are things that I want to return to. My feelings. My clarify. feelings are. My, my feelings are being directed towards anger now. Oh, okay. Well, the first <laughs> thing. This is for you. So last oh. episode, you said that you wanted an update on that guy that kept getting attacked by crows. Yes. So, I re-listened to the like podcast that I first originally heard about this crow attack, vicious crow assault. Right. And it was the Tooth and Claw episode, Crows Never Forget. So the episode discussed an Indian man who was repeatedly attacked by crows every day for the past four years. And I guess this man get started getting attacked by crows when he tried to fee- free this baby crow from some like metal netting, resulting in the baby crow's death. And the, the rest of the crows saw it, witnessed him free, I'm doing quotation, free yeah. this baby crow. And then they started attacking him every day after this. And this man apparently brings a stick with him everywhere he goes to try to fend off the crows. And the townspeople just laugh at him. And then the crows continue to attack him. It's a lot like the plot of Jaws 3 or Jaws 3D, depending on the theater. Oh, there was discrepancies? Well, there's Jaws 3 and there's Jaws 3D. Oh, okay. So it yeah, doesn't yeah. depend on the theater. It depends on the movie. Well, it depends, it depends on the theater, yeah. If it's if Jaws 3, 2D is just Jaws 3. Oh. Jaws 3 and 3D... You know, Jaws 9D if we're using algebra, you know. Um, it's incredibly confusing. It was a three-dimensional film off in theaters. I, I understand that. But anyway, in Jaws 3, you know, and I gave it a force, you know, 5.5 out of 10. You know, oh, so that's per- pretty low. Pretty watchable. What but did Jaws 1 get? Jaws Jaws 1 gets a perfect 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Jaws 2 gets a 8.5 out of 10. Now we're on to Jaws 3. 5.5 out of 10. Okay. All right. So, first of all. Great performance by Dennis Quaid in this one. You know, young Dennis Quaid, you know. Wears lots of, uh, you know, scuba gear. Very athletic, you know. Great role. Sexy. Some would say. Some would say. Some would say. Long story short, uh, Sea World sort of uh, stand-in uh, catches a great white shark. Massive great white shark. They kind of bring into captivity and ultimately uh, dies. Turns out that uh, kind of baby shark was the uh, baby child. Baby shark. Absolutely not. <laughs> Turns out that baby shark uh, was like a offspring of like basically like Jaws or whatever shark is, you know, being Jaws. Anyway, so I mean, just like the story with the, the crows, the moral of the story is don't help struggling, you know, especially young animals because well, in, you might end up killing it and then incur the wrath of the, uh, the entire that species. That happened in Yellowstone this week. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, not this week, a couple weeks ago. So if you see a struggling baby bird, just, just walk around it in a semicircle and keep moving. If you, you see know? someone's credit card on the ground, also just walk away. Because if you call and try to be a good Samaritan and tell the credit card company to cancel it, you will be on the phone for about 30 minutes. Hmm. Anyway, there also is a man in India. I don't know what's going on in India with these crows. But there's a man who can summon crows. He has such like an accurate crow call. I guess this was a viral TikTok that he would like... And all these crows would like circle around him, and they just hope that he won't turn these crows against society. Could be a whole Willard story. Yes. We talked Willard. We I'll, did talk Willard. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that one. Willard now. is the name of the man, not in, rat. In India? 
No, in the movie Willard. Oh, it's like a very uncommon name in uh, in India. <laughs> yeah, I really very, wouldn't believe it if you told you, me. Yeah, Bit of a, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, that is the name of the... The main character. The man. The man. The rat man. The next thing that I wanted to clarify is the temperature in the Sahara. I guess I, I said the temperature wrong. So the hottest recorded temperature in the Sahara was 58C or 136.4 degrees Fahrenheit. The average temp is usually, I converted all these to Fahrenheit for you consistently. So you didn't get upset I was with my for, metric conversion. I was asking for Celsius, yeah. Oh, well, I have both. Yeah. So the average temp is usually between 30 and 50 C, which is 86 degrees to 122 degrees Fahrenheit hmm. during the day and 10 to 20 C, which is 50 to 68 Fahrenheit wow. at night. So the sun reflects off the sand, heats up the air, gets high temperatures. It says there's little to no water vapor in the atmosphere that causes more rays to reach the surface. And that's why it gets so hot. Hmm. Interesting. And also the Sahara is apparently only about 1.7 billion square miles, not million square miles. Not 3.5 million. Oh, okay. So it's in the millions, not the billions. Yes, yes, yes. That makes total sense. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to look up exact stats on the Sahara, don't listen to me. I don't know. It's a, it's a big desert. That's the all the, game. That's all the facts you It's a big ass desert, Yeah. yeah. The other thing we talked about was the mm. Barkley Marathon, which okay. is the name of the marathon that from the the race that eats its young. Yeah. We tried to watch it the other night. I fell asleep. Yeah. But it was very interesting. But I read more into it. <laughs> so the Barkley Marathon is an ultra marathon that was created by Gary Cantrell for the Frozen Head State Park in Tennessee, which I want to go there and yeah. read more why it's called Frozen Head. So the route was inspired by the 1977 prison escape of James Earl Ray, who assassinated Martin Luther King Jr., Right. It's not some bootlegger, like you said last time. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. The race has five 20-mile loops through the wooded mountains and an elevation gain of about 63,000 feet. The runners run over three sleepless days a night without aid stations, phones, or GPS. There are unique unmanned checkpoints with a paperback book. Athletes rip out the page corresponding to their BIM number and must hand in each of their pages to prove that they reached each checkpoint at the end of the race. Only 17 athletes has completed the race since it began in 1986, and no one has completed it in the past five years until this year. In 2023, three races completed the race, which has only ever happened in 2012. Are these the corrections, or is this just supplemental information? Supplemental. Okay. I don't know. I just got excited and I wanted to tell everyone about it. No, no, no. It's no, it's, it's it's very exciting stuff. I was just hearing all these different things. I was like, it was like, it's like, we get that much wrong. Yeah, I was no. trying to keep on. Yeah, supplemental information. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. So the last thing, uh, something that you incorrectly told us. Oh boy. That only one person died of refeeding syndrome after they were rescued from the Donner Party. So last really? week we talked about like overeating after yeah. a period of starvation. Yeah. William Hook, a 12-year-old boy, died in the Foothill Camp in February of 1847 from refeeding. And according to the National Health Institute, Institute of Health, refeeding is the potentially fatal shift in like fluids and electrolytes that occur after a malnourished person overeats and re- or receives artificial refeeding. So it's not like a physical thing necessarily, but just like a huge imbalance. Right. Just like a ghost, basically. Yes. All right. So that was all the corrections slash supplemental information I had from last episode. Wait, 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 backing up, backing up. Our stomach, wait, a stomach imbalance is not a physical thing? It's not a stomach imbalance. It's or like, a, it, it's a, like a shift in like fluids and electrolytes. Like it's more has to deal with like, I think like concentration gradients and like things like that rather than like. 
your stomach like bursting. Oh, okay. I mean, it might cause a little bit of like physical damage, obviously, but I like I don't I just I didn't know what your impression of what refeeding was. Oh, I didn't have I didn't even know that was a word. I didn't have an impression at all of it. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> well, now then it's just information. All right, so perfect. Okay. All right, I did have a little bit of news. Okay. So, Fantastic. cue the news music. All right. The world's oldest crocodile is estimated to be 120 years old. Wow. This week. I had to fill my, fill my page. Cassius, the Guinness World Record holding crocodile, was captured in Australia's Northern Territory in 1984 after he was blamed for a rash of cattle deaths. At the time of his capture, he was 16 feet 10 inches long with a 6-inch portion of his tail missing and part of his snout missing. So he's even longer, but he got truncated at both ends. Huh. And he lives in the Marineland Crocodile Park in the Grand Barrier Reef in Cumberland, and he is described as having a lot of spark and is very engaging. But happy birthday, Cassius. Whew. Happy birthday indeed. But he's a scary 120 years old. He has like a little chunk of his nose is missing. He's kind of cute. He's, he's truncated at both ends, a little bit of tail. Yeah, it's a little him. bit of a tail apparently and a little bit of a nose. Huh. So he's even longer than he apparently is. But next piece of news. An 82-year-old German man was issued his last warning to avoid jail after being caught dealing drugs again. The 82-year-old retired seaman wanted to cushion his measly 800 euro, which is only 855 US dollars, monthly pension by selling weed. So he got caught selling weed. I was about to ask if he was like yeah. selling some like really cool like old person like Victorian era drug and he's selling <laughs> <Cocaine>. like, <laughs> like powdered heroin or whatever they did, you know. Oh no, he was just selling that sweet, sweet reefer. Wow. He was given a suspended sentence this week after his 24 previous convictions. Prosecutors <laughs> asked the court to deal up a 34-month prison sentence due to his rap sheet and pre-existing suspended sentence. So I guess they keep being like you are too old to go to jail. Just like, don't do this again. And we'll like sentence you in a long time from now so that you never see it. The judges decided to make an exception due to his less serious charges and recent health problems. <laughs> but he was issued his last warning wow. after 24 previous convictions. So- sounds like old people really kind of like are missing a pretty big opportunity. I mean, if yeah. a retired seaman came up smelling like fish and salts and he's like, you want to buy weed? I'd be like, probably. Yeah, probably sounds do. Good. Yeah. So, last piece of news. The United Kingdom's favorite extreme sport, a cheese rolling race, occurred last week at Cooper's Hill, England. Mm. The race drew hundreds of spectators on May 29th, eager to watch dozens of racers chase a seven-pound wheel of cheese down a hill. Have you ever seen videos of this? Yeah, I've seen videos of that. I remember, like, vividly watching, like, Amazing Race when I was younger. Did you ever watch Amazing Race? Uh, mm, not quite, no. Mm. No. We're a big Amazing Race survivor household. Oh, okay. But they, they did this, and it was pretty funny. The race occurs over a 200-yard course down the hill. The racers strive to be the first person to get to the cheese. The winner of the race, Matt Crowlaw, reported, quote, I don't think you can train for it, can you? It's just being an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen that other event where they, like, they, like, like, kind of, like, get, like, this massive log or tree going down a a hill, kind of, like, you know, vertical wise, like 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 it looks like a basically like a toboggan. You know, oh. these are big ass trees, and people try to sit on them, and like it's a yeah, it's like that a sounds whole, incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean the, the way the hill is, I think I think it kind of bounces a lot, and I mean I guess you could die, you know. But anyway, yeah, you should watch these videos. You guys are trying to watch it ride this thing like a toboggan. It's kind of rolling <laughs> all over the place, and it's what if it rolls on you? Yeah, I mean, I think if it rolls on you, I think like you fucking die. <laughs> You What's know? that a event call you always ski when they do, or you watch when they do like the Scottish Highland Games and it's these 
big redheaded men like grabbing this like huge log and like flipping it over. Oh yeah. You know, what is it? or like where they have that big heavy thing and they have to throw it up over that like high jump pretty much. Yeah, how to do all this in maid of honor, you tell yeah. me. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what it's called. That's what I'm um, I, w- I would love to watch men in kilts do strongman competitions. Yeah. God, sure. just the quads just peeking out all over. <laughs> Alright. Well that was all the news. <laughs> Did you hear of any fun news this week? Uh that fun, you wanted to talk about? Fun news this week. Oh any, man. Nothing, nothing. Oh, um, well, the LSE Tigers are going to the College World Series. Oh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a tremendous, you know, culmination of a, um, yeah, a sports really headed, headed up by, well, yeah, so the news, you know, <laughs> go Tigers. <laughs> go Tigers. This week, you know this because we debriefed on it already, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about Operation Sea Spray, which is one of my favorite near and dear Ways the government has wronged us. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you you know what aspiration sea spray is? Um, I mean, I guess I've told you probably. Though. Yeah, yeah. I think you've mentioned it. Uh, you know, here and there. You know, I think uh, sounds like some really devious stuff. You know. All right, well, yeah. I I will get started then. For so, the uninitiated. Yes. You know? For yeah. for the people who have had their eyes and ears shut this whole time. Correct. Look while we've been wrong. Correct. So Operation Sea Spray is a lesser known case of the numerous heinous attacks the U.S. government has committed against a citizen in the name of science. From September 20th to September 27th of 1950, the Navy released Seratio Marcesens and Bacillus Golbigi. I can never. This was. I was a microbiology major, and I could never <laughs> pronounce. Any of these names. Golbigi? G-O-L-B-I-G-I-I. I I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Golbigi. Whatever. Over the San Francisco Bay Area in California, the goal of this test was to determine how vulnerable a large coastal city was to a bioweapon attack. They selected these two species of bacteria to release upon the San Francisco population because they believed that they were harmless to humans. Serratia marcescens especially... It was chosen because it lives in soil and is kind of in water and it's like ubiquitous in nature and it produces a bright red pigment on culture. So it makes it very popular to use in experiments because you can easily see it. Like we use it a lot because like when it grows on plates, it's like you can obviously tell it's like bright red. And right. So they used it because it's easy to like inoculate it. And you're like, okay, it's huh. there. The Navy used monitoring equipment in 43 locations throughout the city to track the spread of the particles. A dose large enough to dose the entire population of San Francisco, 800,000 residents at the time, with 5,000 cells each was released by the U.S. Navy minesweeper, a ship two miles off the coast. So, like, that's just, like, the amount of cells that they, like, released. It's a lot of cells. It was a lot. Well, I mean, it's bacteria, but, like, A pretty tremendous amount. It just sounds like a lot. A real, yeah, a real, you know, (laughs) real Chuck E. Cheese full, you know? Yeah, so this, they selected this dose... As this was the range for the, like, anthrax, mm-hmm. the bacteria Bacillus anthracis that causes anthrax. Hmm. So that's usually, like, the dose that it takes to create the anthrax. Oh. Infection kind of thing. Okay. But, yes. I never knew that anthrax was, like, a disease. Yeah, it's like a, it's a sporulating bacteria. Oh. I, I mean, maybe, I I only barely remember because it happened while, I guess, while I was, you know, alive. Yeah, like, like, the, the big anthrax. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I guess I always heard about like getting getting mildew on in, in envelopes, 
And I guess I always assumed it was just kind of like a cyanide pause. Like, you open the envelope, it's like, boom, you know, you just get in the face and you're dead, you know? Well, that's one of the... Th- I just... I didn't write this down because I would, like... I would probably... We could do, like, a whole other Anthrax episode. I'm sure like, I am. It's a lot of stuff. episode because it's really interesting. Yeah. But... So Bacillus anthracis sporulates, so it has, it creates, like, little, pretty much just chunks of, like, its DNA that it can, like, inactivate, and then, like, can go dormant, are very durable, and, like, can pretty much be reawakened. Wow, okay. And that's, like, the spores, because, like, regular bacteria wouldn't really, like, survive that well, like, in an envelope. Right. But, like, the spores, even how long someone breathes it in, it gets in their lungs, the, like, bacteria pretty much, like, reactivate and cause an infection. Wow. That's interesting. But, okay. Huh. Yeah. We can do, like, a whole other episode. Oh, yeah. So, the military tracked how fast and how far the bacteria spread, finding that it infected all the way out to the suburbs. So, they thought that these two species of bacteria were harmless, and that's why they chose them. However, they might not have been. Even though these two species of bacteria, Serratia marcescens and Bacillus gobel, Golbigi, Golbigi, were believed to be harmless in humans by the U.S. Navy. Some people did get sick, as I said. Eleven San Francisco residents checked into the Stanford Hospital on October 11th of 1950 with very serious and rare urinary tract infections. Ten of these patients recovered, but Edward J. Nevin died three weeks later from a heart valve infection. He recently had prostate surgery, which was similar to the other like ten infected people. They also recently had a medical procedure. This led doctors to believe that these infections were nosocomial, which means that they like originated in the hospital. Okay. But Stanford doctors wrote about this unusual UTI outbreak in a medical journal and learned that no other hospitals in San Francisco reported similar cases. Health authorities in the area were not alerted um, before the bacteria was released over the city. So like the doctors were like, hmm. seems like a weird coincidence that this just happened. And, right. Like, these people got sick. But also, it's kind of sus that, like, no other hospitals had this. Right. But they, like, these Stanford doctors were, like, convinced that it was from the, like, serratia in the sky. (laughs) The cases of pneumonia in San Francisco increased after the bacteria blanketed the city as well, but this was not conclusively determined to be a cause, just a correlation. Doctors also wonder if this operation could have been responsible for an increase in serious heart valve infections among intravenous drug users in the area during the... Uh, 60s and 70s so I guess they had like a spike in these like weird infections oh wow okay but um the senate subcommittee had a hearing the u.s senate subcommittee on health and scientific research held hearings in 1977 for the u.s army to disclose the tests officials claimed that the pneumonia outbreak was purely coincidental after the test and suggested that the source of the rare utis lie inside the hospital inside like the stanford hospital since no other hospitals in the area reported similar cases but edward j nevin's family the like man that passed away filed a suit against the federal government in 1981 alleging negligence and responsibility for edward's death plus financial and emotional harm due to the medical costs a lower court and the u.s supreme court ruled against the family wow they got nothing But so Operation Sea Spray was one of the first large scale biological weapons trials that the U.S. government conducted against its own citizens. These were performed under a germ warfare testing program from 1949 to 1969. I've been printing out my sheets now so I can really read these off. Now there's just a lot of page turning noises. (laughs) So the testing was cited as a deterrent against the use of biological weapons by the U.S. government. 
The government justified the need to study and analyze the U.S.'s vulnerability to biological weapons as a fundamental deterrent strategy. So they got to figure out how they're vulnerable to keep people from using them against us. Was their reasoning. Okay. Okay. It's sound enough, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So the tests using mind-altering drugs on unsuspecting citizens... As we know, as MK Ultra, right, and studying syphilis in unknowing Black Americans, which is the Tuskegee study, right, were also performed during this era. But these are not under like the same thing. But it's just other examples. Though, of they, the, though they probably are the octopus of malice, right? As they say, yes, yes. But another one was Project One Twelve was a military program to test biological weapons and our defenses against them during the sixties and seventies. The Defense Department acknowledged in two thousand two that it used real chemical and biological weapons for testing rather than harmless models. So, like, they acknowledge that, yes, we have used harmful chemicals and, like, bacteria, fungi, whatever. In this Operation 112? Yes. Okay. So, in this Project 112, they also identified about 3,000 soldiers that were involved in these tests, and the VI even began looking for them to compensate them due to their exposure to the dangerous chemicals and bacteria. Some examples of tests that fall under this project include Devil Hole 1 and 2, which test how sarin gas and nerve agent 9, no, VX is 60, nerve agent 60, right? Mm. VX is 60. Nerve agent 60 acted when dispersed in artillery shells. These were done in Alaska to imitate weapons in Iraq's arsenal, apparently. And another project called Big Tom was a test conducted in 1965 that involved spraying Bacillus Gold BG, same one used right, in okay. Precise Spray. Yeah. Over Oahu to investigate the biological like attack on an island. So this Bacillus Golbiji is in the same family as Bacillus anthracis, which is the bacteria that causes anthrax. Okay. We're causing that. So yeah. that's what they call like a model agent. So the bacteria is used as like a surrogate for testing instead of just like spreading anthrax all over because they're very similar. This bacteria has been believed to cause infections in immunocompromised people. Part of this project also included releasing an open-air nerve agent gas over Utah that resulted in the death of 6,400 sheep when the nerve gas drifted away from the test range. So those the 6,400 just... sheep got uh, nailed with nerve yes. gas? <laughs> these were like, yeah, all things that were disclosed in that Defense Department acknowledgement as part of that Project 112, which was just like a subset of things that they would what was like the what was like the location of like the testing of like sarin gas for project 112 that was the one in alaska in alaska yes they did that in alaska yeah i don't really know why huh seems kind of weird huh interesting but reading about this they did a lot where, of where where did uh was any of that like at like edgewood arsenal I don't know. Because that's what I heard about, kind of like being like the like the most like common like or like that was kind of like the big sort of center for, for like, like a lot of this like sort of like like nerve agent or sort of like yeah exactly nerve agent sort of um, testing on um, like volunteer soldiers. Where's that? You know? at? Edgewood Arsenal. Where's Edgewood? Huh? Where's Edgewood? Oh, I don't know. Let's oh. see. It's worth a Google search. I suppose. A lot of them I kind of read too. They did a lot of it like just out at sea. So, like, a lot of oh, that people, kind of, like, that all these makes the most sense. would, like, get hit with it, too. From 1948 to 1975, the U.S. Army Chemical Corps conducted classified human uh, subject research at the Edward Arsenal facility in Maryland. That makes sense. Maryland. Maryland. Ah. Oh, speaking of the Northeast, 
The Army tested how similar biological weapons could be dispersed in a more confined, highly trafficked environment similar to a busy subway system in 1966. Wow. Army scientists sprayed clouds of harmless stimulant agent Bacillus subtilis variant Niger in chosen areas from June 6th to June 10th of 1966. This bacteria is also referred to as Bacillus golbigi, which is the same one we've been heard about. That's the model for Bacillus anthracis which is now known to have a low degree of virulence, but is capable of causing infections in people with weakened immune systems, like I said before. And they're shooting this into subways? Yes. Wow. So I'll talk about that for a second. Huh. But I was, like, looking into this because I was, like, trying to, like, because they still, like, kind of use, like, Bacillus BG or whatever as a model. Okay. And so according to the EPA's risk assessment, although the possibility of human infection is not non-existent, which I was confused why they used a double negative, mm. It is low in the industrial setting where exposure to the bacterium is expected to be low and where highly immunocompromised individuals would not be present. So their reasoning was that the only time that this Bacillus gobigi is infectious is in super high doses, which is like in industrial settings, which is where people that know that they're susceptible bacteria wouldn't be. Hmm. It was That's the a reason, long walk. Which seems yeah. faulty. Yeah. So all these like tests increase the likelihood that an immunocompromised individual is exposed to a high dose, which is what they've pretty much been doing this whole time. Yeah. Because they're Gosh. dropping like big doses on people. Right. Yeah. That, that reasoning sounds like a, just like a tautology. <laughs> yes. So a back to the subway thing yeah. with Bacillus Golbg. Probably the last place I want to be sprayed with drugs is I the know. subway. So... A participating army scientist detailed how they dispersed the cloud of cells through sidewalk grading, creating a momentary cloud. Like, you could actually see a cloud, like, of this bacteria in the subway when they, like, dispersed it. Pedestrians below, quote, brushed their clothing, looked at the grading, and then walked on. So, like, they acknowledged that, like, people could, like, see that there's, like, a plume of things, like, in the air. So, trains carried the particles across the city, and they did this in the New York subway system, across the city, and the army even tossed light bulbs containing, like, the bacteria from moving trains, like, within the subway system. These tests were done to assess the vulnerability of a mass transit system, as well as the methods of delivery that could be used offensively. So, this, they were just, like, testing both offensive and defensive Interesting. methods. The army scientists. How, how do you do defensive biowarfare? Well, they're just like more like of like oh how susceptible is our subway system? Oh, okay. Like studying. Okay, the, got it, got you know, it, got it. Their defenses, oh, okay. which they don't really have. But so, they're trying to use this stuff defensively. Like, oh, strange. <laughs> Seems like counterproductive. Yeah. Army scientist Charles Senesi testified in 1975 that a light bulb full of bacteria dropped at 14th Street easily spread up to at least 58th Street. The Army also conducted simultaneous or near-simultaneous deposit of a pathogenic agent in one or more locations in each of the several subway lines operating in midtown Manhattan at peak workday traffic period that would expose a large number of people to an infection and cause high casualties among the population working in the area. So that was, like, their reasoning and, like, what they found while doing these tests. So they pretty much just said that if somebody dropped, like, Bacillus anthracis. It would have like spread all over. Mm. I don't know. The next thing, sorry, these are just like lists of like 
I didn't really put very good transitions in between these things. No, I'm no, it's interesting. Off. It's interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. They're like little episodes. I'm enjoying it. Many, many things. Yes, yes. So the next one is Operation Large Area Coverage, or Operation LAC is how it's like. Getting kind of lazy with the naming, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Was a series of tests that the Army says were performed to assess America's vulnerability to airborne dispersion of germs. Operation LAC was performed over large portions of the U.S., Mexico, and Canada using a powder chemical called zinc cadmium sulfide. Documents were declassified that outlined how the Army sprayed chemical agents over 33 urban and rural areas, including St. Louis, exposing exposing thousands of unknowing residents to a potentially toxic chemical. So in St. Louis, an area called Pruitt-Igoe Housing Project, it's like a little neighborhood, was selected as a testing location using the same chemical dispersed through motorized blowers atop low-income housing buildings and schools. Residents were told that the machines were part of a test for a smoke screen that could guard against aerial Russian surveillance, but it was actually like pretty much big fans to like spread this material all over. The area was low-income, predominantly minority community of 10,000 people, and 70% of the community was age under the age of 12. So at the time, the National Academy of Sciences concluded that zinc cadmium sulfide did not pose a threat to humans, but stated more toxicity, toxicity studies should be conducted. So in 1994, the New York Times reported on a school in Minneapolis that had an unusually high number of stillbirths and birth defects. It was found that this school had been sprayed over with this zinc cadmium sulfide. And now, zinc cadmium sulfide has been linked to lung cancer, prostate cancer, developmental defects, liver damage, kidney damage, osteoporosis, anemia, loss of smell, reduced sperm count, and many more. So wow. So pretty much figured out that this stuff's really bad. Cadmium. It sounds too much like, like Cadbury. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah, I was Cadbury came back. Yeah. <laughs> so, Army documents also detailed that a compound called FP2266 was sprayed over the public this compound is also called radium-226, and the same compound killed many young women who used the compound to paint fluorescent wash faces, also known as the radium girls. Okay. The women working in radium dial factories were dubbed living dead as they suffered through radium poisoning. These women suffered through anemia, radium jaw, and cancerous tumors. So I was trying to look through, I found this, like, one kind of big army whatever document of, like, they're like, it was pretty much detailing large area coverage. And I tried to really look for this FB2266 thing, but right. I couldn't really find it anywhere. So that huh. one we'll have to take with a grain of salt and look further into. But Wait, was, was that one, were they testing it on them? Which one? The most the, the, ra- radium, the radium girls, yeah. It just said that they like sprayed it over the public. Oh. Wait, I couldn't find it. They sprayed the what over the public? This FB2266. Oh, but, but what were they painting with? Oh, okay. So. Radium girls, yeah. The radium girls were painting with radium 226. And that's pretty much was just like radium paint oh, to make like glow in the dark watches. Were they like testing it like on the effects of the of the girls, no. like in the other experiments? Oh no! They oh, I thought, they, I thought I thought it was some like master plan to like expose people to this by like having them paint no, with it. No, okay. it was just a comparison that like so they sprayed FP two two six six over the public at some point. Right. Which this compound is also known as radium two two six, which is what was like. Also introduced to people through, like, poor engineering management. Yes, okay. and, like, the lack of their bosses caring. Right. Their jaws were falling off. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But, yeah, sorry, that was kind of fast and discombobulated, but... I, th- I think I got 100% of it, like, that a steel trap. That was my deep delve yeah. of... Yeah, it's very do interesting. Do you have any 
things you want me to go back over? <laughs> um, Do you have any questions? Do you have any comments? Oh, geez. You know, um, <laughs> seems concerning that there are... Um, need to do so many tests on uh, how well chemicals disperse. You think you just try it once or twice and you probably yeah. get the picture. Because you know? I first heard of Operation Sea Spray. Like, we talked about it, like, in my classes. Like, mm-hmm. in, like, microbio classes. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it because I really thought there would be more on it. And there really wasn't that much on it. And, like, the one person, or, like, the, the people that did get sick, now I'm kind of, like... I'm kind of flip floppy because they wasn't. You think they made it hospital. up? No, um, they don't. I don't think they made it up. I think that yeah. they, it's hard to. You can't really say that like they were sick because of the government's oversight, whereas only at one hospital. Right. You know. That's but, yeah. That is a good point. You know. I hmm. know. I'm still upset about it. No, absolutely. You but, know. I suppose I'm the most ups- upset about um, the people just spraying it into an elevator too. That just seems like the worst time to be like. In the subway would with, be like very substantial scary. doses of chemical, you know. And, like they were just like. I prefer to take it in the fresh air amongst the trees, I suppose. You from know? what it sounded like, they were just like nonchalantly just like filling up light bulbs with this bacteria and just like tossing it out of train windows and just like seeing where it went, hmm. which is wild. Just you know, these were just some of the the biggest uh, years for like you know scientific development, like in the '40s. You know, went to the moon in 1969, allegedly. You know. <laughs> Like, these were, like, when you think about all this, like, cockamamie nonsense, it's, like, these were, like, we were, and, and yet, yeah, somehow, we are making little strides, you we know? Really yeah. We really were. <laughs> well, I have some questions for you to see if you were paying attention. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I know you will do just fine. So many acronyms in this uh, episode. What was the Barkley Marathon based on? Or who was the Barkley Marathon based off of? No, the murder of um, Martin Luther King. Do you know the guy's name? Um, oh, man. Jerry? No, no. I'm really stretching your brain right now. Yeah, no. No, I just, you know, I just know that he would kill Martin Luther King James Jr. Earl Ray. James Earl Ray. Yes, okay. He assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, jeez. Okay. How old was the world's oldest crocodile, by estimation? 120. Yes. Do you remember his name? Um, no. Man, one hundred uh, old crocodile. <laughs> I don't know. Like he had no nose, so Cassius. Yeah, Cassius, the no nose, short tail croc. That's better name. We need a, you need a better name. Like name, name like Mr. Smile or something like that. This, you know, <laughs> toothy. Too, yeah, toothy or something like that. You know. Name one of the two species of bacteria released over San Francisco during Operation Sea Spray. Um. Gabigli or you know whatever you know whatever sort of uh, Italian sausage you were talking about earlier. Bacillus Golbg. Golbg. You know Bulgigi or whatever I said. I'm gonna look up the pronunciation of this right now. Bacillus Globigi. 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 That wasn't close at all. Bacillus Globigi. Globigi. Huh. Globigy. Alright, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I remember the vaguely Italian um, Jeremy mentioned. Yes, yes, there we go. That was familiar. What is Thank the you. term for an infection originating in a hospital? Well, you know, let's think about this for a minute. You know, it's inpatient, inpatient basilicus. Nosocomial. Well, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Alright, yes. Yeah, that was, yeah. So. I know that was like a question on one of my finals. 
Okay. So, this was something I should have gave you these questions earlier so you could really give me your best your best opinion, but I just wanted to talk about I had like three questions about conspiracy theories. Okay. So, what is your favorite most subscribed to conspiracy? Theory? Oh, my favorite most subscribed to conspiracy. Um I guess my favorite one is probably Hollow Moon. It's pretty good. I that think. one's your favorite? I'm the most tickled by that one, yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, kind of like, um, it's not even necessarily like Hollow Moon, but there are substantial, at least like subterranean regions within the moon that we like currently populate. Okay. And there's also aliens there, you know? See, mine went opposite, and I said my favorite was that the moon, we never landed on the moon. Oh, I mean, that's, you know, um, I have a really hard time, like, throwing that around because I, I just, I'm just so in the middle on it. Like, I, I guess actually, it definitely might be, like, one of my favorite ones. Um, it makes people too heated, though, you know? People, um, I didn't know that it got people so fired up, but I don't remember, I think it was when we were at King Gizzard, I, somebody asked me this question, and I said that, and they're like, that's so stupid, of course we landed on the moon, and I was like... Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think he's probably because he's heard me argue with him about it uh, way too much. I'm just like, I, but I'm just like so staunchly unconvinced we went to the moon. You know. See exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What conspiracy theory do you most describe? What is most believable slash probably real in your eyes? The one that's like most likely to be real or like most probable in my eyes. Oh, I had one of these. I was thinking about the other day. I wrote that um, yeah. I really think LBJ had some hand in JFK's assassination. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. The one that I most believe in is that Disney only makes, like, all of these um, live-action remakes to maintain copyrights on the original uh, works. That is not what I expected you to say, but... Yeah, I, I, I think that's I the one that's, it. like, most true. Because if you think about all of their, like, old, like, 1950s, 1960s sort of works, you know, those, those all kind of came out in a relatively short period of time. I feel like we've been kind of bombarded with them. And like, which one? Like... Little Mermaid, Lion yeah. King, um, Mulan. Oh, Mulan was later, but I feel like they're kind of doing these all to, like, maintain copyrights in the original works. So okay. it's all just a wild, that's such illegal a, stunt. Like, a lawyering thing for you to say. Oh, oh the other one that, that, that I really believe um, is that, um, I mean, I got a million of these, I actually believe. I mean, Apple definitely um, makes um, hardware that, like, is designed oh. to self-destruct. Oh, yeah, 100%. One of my, like, things that really stuck with me as a kid was one of the Mythbusters episodes. They did an episode where they were trying to debunk or I guess, or confirm if, you know, when you get in a plane crash, you're supposed to, like, put your head like this on the seat in front of you, if that actually makes you die faster in a plane crash, and it's cheaper to pay out, like, oh, whatever the fee is for someone that is dead versus actually sitting and paying for someone's, like, medical bills. Yeah, I just feel like, I feel like that would have, like, already been, like, really, like, yeah. Exposed. I think there there are so many like regulations on like airlines or even like cars, but I yeah. think there probably are some things like that in other aspects. And if I was better at this, I would have thought of one that I Yeah, I thought. mean I let's see. 
I think, oh, I mean, it's, I think it's highly likely that we developed, like, sustainable, like, renewable electricity and, like, you know, especially for, at least for, like, automobiles. I feel like we've had that technology for, like, 30 or 40 years, but, like, to, like, maintain the oil economy, we, like, it's, like, never allowed to, like, come to a market, you know? That's kind of the same thing with, like, cures for, like, cancer or, like, other, like, big diseases that there's probably better treatments, but people either it's their own technology and they choose not to release it or it like somebody gets close it gets bought up by another company that's bigger that has a very expensive treatment that just doesn't cure it but is like a remedy that they don't want like an end-all fix-all they want people to have to keep buying like whatever treatment they're providing or there's actually like perhaps like a secret patent docket in like yeah the, the super powerful pharmaceutical industry where like companies were only allowed to like basically like yeah like kind of like basically quote unquote invent their um whatever their groundbreaking you know uh, treatment is and like have enjoy a patent on it and like you know uh, market it or like bring it to market mm-hmm. and maybe they do they have to do that like on like maybe that's like all super controlled by like a central organization that literally kind of doles out advance by the advancement like to like kind of like circulate yeah, you know the, the like wealth of it yeah, exactly. I mean, it could even stem down to, like, the FDA, and, like, the FDA only approves yeah. certain things for testing that they want to, like, push through. Yeah. I think the FDA, like, almost... I think the FDA pretty much approved, like, parts of, like, the whole Theranos thing, so I don't know how actually hard they're trying, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that one, <laughs> They're you pushing know? things through. All sure. right, which theory do you like the most or think is the most entertaining but is probably not true? Oh, that I like the most? Like, thinks entertaining... Really has some, like, tread behind it, but it's definitely not real. Actually, I really need to throw some of my more believable conspiracy theories is that Tom Cruise is sexually attracted to fish. What? Have you any heard of any of the page seven, like... No, I, I, don't, I don't think I've heard the one that's on Tom Cruise being sexually attracted to fish. No, he, like, has sex with fish. Oh. Wow. It's like a whole, like, science thing, perhaps? Huh? Wow. Perhaps it's, a whole, like, Scientology thing. There's a lot of, like, people that have have seen Tom Cruise with a single fish or, like, been in a bathroom after Tom Cruise that have found just, like, a single fish, like, cut open in the garbage. Oh. Yeah. Good God. You gotta look it up. It's pretty gross. How about a fish you're talking? Like a carp? I don't know. Like a... No, just various fish. Hmm, like a... Like a fish you can probably like buy from, like, a market. Oh. Ooh, like a nice tuna. Hmm. Like a better Monday. Hmm, a better Monday. Hmm. Okay. That's a very compelling conspiracy theory. You gotta go actually like look it up though. There's more. Where to do we it. draw the yeah? Where do we draw the line between a, b- between one person being highly strange and it, and it being a conspiracy theory? Who's conspiring? Just just Tom Cruise, just conspiring with himself. And his, who you know, is he making an agreement who's with? Who's ever buying these fish for him? Let's go back back to the initial group. conspiracy. Takes an agreement between two people. I don't think I don't think you can just call Tom Tom Cruise a weird fucked up person and then just say it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Unless he's just, like, agreeing with the fish. <laughs> like, him and the com- fish are conspiring him to have sex. Him and the people in his inner circle that are buying him these fish. Because I, I you know he's not always going to the market to buy these fish to then insert himself into. I, I think we're really watering down the meaning of conspiracies right now. Okay, well, I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> Having friends is not a conspiracy. <laughs> well, he's paying them, probably. I mean, I appreciate that making its way into the conversation regardless, because that is, like, 
all, honestly like amazing and like haunting and terrifying news all at the same time. So I mean, yes. like I'm I'm tickled by it regardless. You know, I mean I'm conspiring to sleep well tonight. You know, it's, mm. it's an agreement between like me, you, and the bed. You know, well, Smokey. You'll sleep well faster if you tell me which conspiracy theory you like the most, but it's probably not true. Oh okay. Um, I I'm trying to think of mine now. Oh yeah, no easy. Uh, Avril Lavigne body double. Yeah, it's like oh. the, that's the best one. And I, I really want to believe it's true, you know, because if that's true, there's just so much of like the whole Ringo Starr double. Is that is that, is that the one they, they they think died? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, John. No, no, Paul McCartney. Yes. Paul McCartney's a double, you know. Britney Spears has like someone that sings for her. Yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, I but like I generally consider like my gateway sort of conspiracy there that I really like to believe is that that as an Avril Lavigne body double. But I just kind of doubt yeah, it's true. You know what I'm talking about? You know they think that uh, Avril Lavigne um, either died or like became like they didn't like the way she was acting or like kind of like wanted like you know kind of keep better yeah, tabs on her. So they switched she, her out the body so, double yeah. or, or like or she died or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And they do all these like sort of like all these uh, little facial sorts of uh, comparisons between the two, and they kind of show like, ooh, there's her, her, you know, right ear is I mean, it's called plastic surgery. three millimeter. Yeah, exactly. It's Have you seen pictures of surgery. Kylie Jenner from like ten years ago? Assuming it looks, she looks a lot, a lot like Vin Diesel back then, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, okay. that one tickles me. Sure. That one's, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, I had a lot of sources, and most of them are weird to read because they're subcommittee government writing so i'm just gonna put them in the show notes what a tremendous episode well if you see any floating green clouds don't breathe them in yep don't help small animals because once again you may end up you know i mean it's probably gonna gonna die anyway and like you're just gonna help it along and then the mom's gonna think that you did it and And then that that guy that helped that buffalo that baby bison that ended up dying in yellowstone is like getting charged yeah are you gonna get charged with with like like then the fucking humans are gonna come after you too you know oh my god i left Smokey in the car once on like a 55 degree day and i had to walk out of the walmart yeah and suddenly SeaWorld's getting attacked by a 40 foot shark you know and dennis quaid has to save the day you know yeah well if anyone also, you know, AJ, I'm looking at you, you have not turned in your homework yet from last week, wants to tell us their favorite conspiracy theories, researchproject at gmail.com. Yeah. I really just want someone to email me. That was all for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.